football more or less in the rearview mirror, save the normal off-season uh, items of import, but that means basketball front and center. And we brought a foremost expert on our staff to talk about Ohio State's Shooty Hoops program in this special edition of the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance along with Johnny Ginner and joining us, the aforementioned expert of the hour, Mr. Chris Lauterbach, who has forgotten more about basketball than I will ever be blessed to know. Chris, thanks for coming on the Dubcast. And, and the timing couldn't be better. You know, when you and I were setting this up, uh, I, I just watched Ohio State. I, I thought, you know, given the injury to Zed Key, play a, a, a pretty good game, a solid game against the number one team in the country save maybe the last 60 seconds of the ball game <laughs> so the maryland game maybe gave us a little different flavor but let's set the specifics aside to start with this early in the season what is your overall impression or or how would you describe this year's edition of ohio state's basketball team uh, yeah, I think you've seen, you know, a, a lot of what we probably expected in some ways where you're seeing some, you know, some some struggles here and there as you're meshing a lot of new guys on a roster. But you've also seen a lot to get excited about, particularly with the freshmen. And, uh, you know, what I would say is it's it's not really that early, though. I mean, we're at about at the midway, you know, midway point of the season. It just doesn't feel like it because Big Ten season is, is you know, Big Ten conference. Schedule yeah, I should, I should have said early up. in the conference schedule yeah, is, is, yeah. Is, 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 is what I mean to say. Yeah, we've got actually a fair bit of of footage. Uh, to, to know what this team is, I guess. Uh, but but yeah, the conference schedule is is early compared to what you thought going into the season. Like, like me, it sounds like you you're seeing a lot of what you expected. Um, if if you had to boil this team down to its its strengths and weaknesses, I guess uh, coming in here into now the grind of conference play. What does this team do well? What what where is its uh, where are its Achilles heels? as it were. Right. Yeah. Well, I think some of the things it does well, it's a little, little deeper maybe than, uh, you know, maybe what some folks thought it might be as far as the amount of guys in the rotation. I think you've seen some guys that can definitely make shots. I think on Ken Palm, you know, Ohio State's adjusted offensive efficiency uh, is still really, really strong. I think it still leads the country uh, even yeah. after back-to-back uh, -back losses. But I will say, as much as I want to be bullish about the offense, I, I feel like, man, a lot of guys make a lot of tough shots. I mean, Bryce Sensabaugh makes a lot of tough shots and, uh, I, I don't know if the offense, you know, by itself just creates all these great opportunities. I think it does some of that for sure, but I think it also is, you know, you got some guys that are making some shots. So the, so the offense's overall efficiency, I think is something that's pretty decent. Uh, and then, you know, quite the inverse defensively where I think adjusted defense is about 90th in the country right now. Um, and they, they certainly had some, you know, had some struggles at the defensive end, um, particularly in, uh, you know, in big 10 play, but, you know, you're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, I think another Achilles heels probably just they can't break the press for whatever reason this team yeah. I think it's a combo of things I know a lot of people are piling on you know Holtman when you think about just the ability to, to break a press and I, I'm certainly one of the ones that would be uh, in that camp but I also think with that is you need some guys to make plays I mean Justice Suing is not a freshman he's been around I mean you know it was a six year of college basketball or something like that and mm -hmm. the key turnover in Purdue is him out of a double team that's coming on a press you can't make a lazy back, you know, pass like that. So I just, their overall struggles to uh, break the press is something that has been, you know, beyond frustrating when you think about of Achilles heel, but, you know, like I said, some positives to go around as well, but uh, yeah, hard pressed at this point to say with what the rest of January looks like from a schedule perspective that, uh, you know, are, are we going to be looking at the kind of the same old, same old when you think about big 10 standings at the end of the year and then, Hey, you see what happens if they can make a second weekend or not. 
Well, January is always the the month I think that makes or breaks a Holtman team, right? Like you look at you look at some of these these seasons where they they look like they do pretty well, and and you know that kind of carries them at least thematically, I guess, for the rest of the season. But then, you know, there are some years where you look at their their record in in January and coming out of that Christmas break, especially, and you're like, man, they just they, they, for whatever reason, some of the issues that they had were just exacerbated at the beginning of. Big 10 season. And, you know, we were talking about the schedule, like they're going to play some, I, I don't want to say like great teams, but some interesting teams, right? Like some teams with some talent that could, that could test them a little bit. And I think what I would be concerned about if an Omaha state basketball fan is that when they've been tested, when they've played teams that are, are pretty good, uh, they haven't really pulled through in the last, you know, like, you know, four or five minutes of the game. It's really kind of fallen apart for them and, and winnable games. Um, so I don't know. Do you, do you expect that to continue in big 10 player? They're going to, Look at like, you know, the Rutgers and Nebraska's and Iowa's of the world and go, okay, well, maybe we can we can pick up some wins here. Yeah, well, you know, a couple of things there. I mean, like you said, January, it, it's a really a tough schedule because <laughs> the amount of road games. I mean, they've yeah. got, you know, with what's what's left, the four of the next five are on the road. Uh, or I'm sorry, I guess it's they got six games in January. So four of the six are on the road. So Minnesota is a game they have to win on Thursday night. Like, yes. you know, we talking about, you know, Andy, to your point, it's early in the conference season, but it's, you know, midpoint of the season. Well, they're mm-hmm. two and two in Big Ten play. Minnesota is not a good team. They're what 191st, I think in Ken Palm, I I saw earlier, but the next five games after that, four of those five are in the top 40 in Ken Palm with four of those five being on the road. So Thursday is a must win. Um, You probably, you know, feel like you need to beat Iowa at home as well. And then you got to hopefully steal a couple of these roadies to stay near 500 in conference, which isn't going to be enough to win the conference, um, but would be enough to probably be about, you know, where we've seen them in the previous, you know, five years of of the Holtman era where they're, you know, like they're top half, but they're not necessarily, you know, top four of the league. But yeah, I think this January schedule is really interesting with all these road games and all these, you know, all these, all these young kids that you're asking to play, uh, you know, play big minutes, but, you know, to your point, I mean, you know, on the road can be really tricky. And I think after halftime has been really tricky. If you just look at the four conference games, um, Ohio State is outscoring Big Ten opponents 28 points cumulative in the first half, but they're minus 20 in the second half. And even in their two wins, they did not outscore their opponent in the second half. So in Big Ten play, they have yet to win a second half. Is that a little bit of fatigue? Is that coach? You know, y- y'all can decide, but um, I, it doesn't bode well for saying, hey, you're going to you know, you're gonna light up the rest of January here. I think the thing that really, you know, kind of bothered me coming out of that Purdue game starting off when when Zed Key went out with his shoulder injury um I'm not going to lie I thought hey we've we've upgraded to Defcon 2 here because they they're going to need him in there uh guarding Purdue's ginormous man down down in the middle and yet uh Felix uh acquitted himself I think rather well in extended minutes in the in that outing uh I I wouldn't say oh gosh they they lost Zed and that's why they lost the game. Uh, clearly, they were in it there until that final disastrous uh, possession. But how how big here in the month of January is the absence of of Zed Key before we move into more, uh, you know, Purdue post mortem specifically? 
Yeah, well, it's it's big, but hopefully it doesn't last very long, right? I, I know Holtman was talking at the presser today, saying that you know that he's getting better, and and while I'm not sure, I think he'll be back by Minnesota. I would be surprised, just kind of reading the tea leaves, if he's not back uh, when they you know when they get set to take on uh, get set to take on Rutgers on Sunday. So I think that's you know that's really what you're hoping for is that Zed only misses one more game because I because I will say I mean of all the talent on the roster. Obviously, they're thin. Uh, you know, they're thin in the post. Uh, they don't have a lot of size. And you know, Akpara, I think, was only able to play about twelve minutes. So when he, against Edie or against Maryland, he only played about twelve. Against yeah, Edie, right. I thought he, you know, to your point, played very well. Had a key block, and you know, was running the floor. And and they were letting him play in that game too. I felt like yeah, that was absolutely. a physical game, and they let him play in Maryland. That was you know, a little more ticky tack and. You know, I saw a lot of the fans and whatnot on Twitter complaining about the foul disparity. But when you're not the aggressor, that's what you set yourself up for. Right. And Ohio State was simply not the aggressor in the you know in the Maryland game specifically. So as it relates to Felix, yeah, I mean he's a you know he's a backup. He's more of a project when you think about these freshmen, which is fine. I mean a lot of these big you know a lot of the true centers these days, especially one that might come to Ohio State. You know, Greg Odens don't grow on trees. So I think that uh, you know he could do some things for Ohio State, but you want him in a reserve role, not you know, not being asked to play big minutes. Um, and uh, yeah, the, your, your hope is not so much that he'll be able to grow into a role of what, you know, give you the kind of minutes that Zed can, because that's not realistic for this year. The mm -hmm. hope is that Zed can get back and get healthy so that, you know, Felix can kind of be that, you know, that reserve that comes in and spot duty and, you know, continues to grow and develop. Let me, so I want to stick on Zed for a second. What, what This guy has been around the program for a while now. Everybody knows Zed and everybody loves Zed. I love Zed. What what is he so good at though? I mean, this is a guy who's basically giving you like ten and ten a night, you know, when he's when he's on. Like, what does he bring to the team as opposed? Like, I know people say like, okay, this guy's going to rebound and he's going to get some easy buckets and whatever. But I feel like there's more to this guy than that. He really feels like a glue guy on the team in a lot of ways. Um, mm -hmm. and, and he's more than finger guns, I guess is my point. And I want to know yeah. exactly what that more is. Yeah, well, for me, I mean, I think it's it's a, a proven veteran that you know that you know you can count on. He doesn't he doesn't turn it over a ton, and I, I think he's a guy that I'll, I'll never understand why they want him, you know, to step out there and shoot threes. I think he's at his best using his big ass to get position where he can go left or right hand. Right. I mean, he's, yeah. he's, he is skilled, you know, that six, eight feet and in where he can spin either direction with a hook with either hand, or he was got, got pretty good footwork. I think all things considered and, and, you know, in all seriousness, I think he does a good job of using his butt to carve out some space, whether it's to score or to rebound. And that that's good on any team, but that is certainly good on a team that again, just doesn't have a ton of size. Even Felix is tall, but he's not thick. Right. I mean, he's not girthy. He's going to gain weight over the time that he's here. Yeah, I, I mean, Zed, <laughs> Zed gives up like like three or four inches on the dude, but is you know like thirty pounds heavier. Yeah, he can wear you. Yeah, he can he can wear you down a little bit and and do some things. And yeah, I, I mean, you know, Ohio State's at their best when he is doing work in the paint when he's stepping out shooting threes and that kind of thing i think it mitigates some of his effectiveness personally i'm sure there are reasons you know holtman makes more money to coach his team than i do so i'm sure there are reasons for that and it's not like he's you know standing there out there shooting threes all day but i just don't understand why he shoots any to me he should be they, they got tons of perimeter guys he needs to be in the paint and i think he just gives that that toughness that experience that physicality of uh, confidence a little bit of swagger that i think the team you know that the team responds to
looking at, you know, kind of where things went sideways in, in that Purdue game, as, as I alluded to earlier, I, I thought they really acquitted themselves very well up until that, that last, you know, if you want to call it 60 seconds, it wasn't even necessarily quite that bad, but this team, and, and again, I don't want to just pile on Chris Holtman, although I, I think that's maybe the answer to my question. Why, why do they struggle in that particular kind of situation those those you know final minutes of games if you want to talk the second half as you pointed out earlier is not necessarily their their strong suit uh, I've just been baffled at the number of times over the past x number of years where coming out of a timeout in a situation like they were in versus Purdue where you you know you've got to have a play you just need a play mm-hmm. and they come out and you'd say was there no play drawn up like like what what exactly are we doing here they just look you know, I don't know what. What's your read on what is, what is the problem? Yeah, well, you know, there there are definitely times when they look a little disjointed down the stretch. Whether it's trying to break the press, or you know, sometimes when they break the press, it is so taxing to be able to actually do that that they're initiating the offense. You know, fifteen seconds or something like that left on the clock, and that can hurt your ability to get a good shot just organically. To your point about running plays, I mean, you know, that's certainly something we've heard, you know, from folks uh, that would, you know, with with criticism from time to time. I mean, I, I think. For one thing, you're if you're drawing up a play to get your best scorer a look, that means it's going to be a freshman. So there yeah. is a little bit there because Bryce sure. ball is definitely your best offensive player. That's uh, who I would give it to in the clutch. But yeah, I mean, you know, the the Purdue game, they come down, they run a couple high, you know, high screens above the three point line, and there ends up being a crowd of people, and they, you know, they get like a fadeaway twenty seven footer or whatever. Definitely not what you're looking for. No. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. I think, you you know, we'd have to ask Chris Holtman those questions, uh, Diebler those questions about if they think they've got the, you know, if they've got the the, the right plays or if they're out scheming their opponent or, or vice versa. But um, I, I have less issue with what they'll do on a set play down the stretch as I do just the inability to not seem scattered and just rushed. And I think those things in and of themselves can lead to, you know, bad shots or turnovers or those things. And, you know, I get that there's a lot of freshmen there, but like I said, the key turnover in the Purdue game was not, not from a freshman doing really an elementary thing, you you know, don't inbound the ball into the corner. There's a reason that spot on the floor is open. So if you are going to inbound it there, then you've got to rip through that double team or pass it before that double team comes, not lackadaisically throw it back to the inbounder. I mean, those that's, that's press break one-on-one type stuff. So um, that's where I struggle the most when you think about like, you know, coaching and whatnot would not be so much with design plays, but more of just, you know, breaking a press for goodness sakes. It shouldn't be that difficult. You know, what's interesting is you talk about like lackadaisical and whatnot. And and you look at like, for for example, I'm looking at Ken Palm, uh, their adjusted tempo. um, And it's pretty, it's pretty low. I think they're, they're, I'm looking at it. They're 231 in the country. Uh, just a shade under 67 possessions a game, uh, well, per 40 minutes. Um, do you think that exacerbates some of the mistakes, especially from younger guys, where, like, if you, you're not getting as many possessions, then, you know, the mistakes you do make are going to be all that more heightened because you're, you may not get it back for several minutes. I mean, it may take a while for you to, you know, to be able to turn that around. If you, Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't really have a criticism with the pace. I think that, uh, you know, sometimes that can get dictated to you. If anything, I think there's times where Ohio state is sped up and that's the problem. Like I said, I think they, the end of the North Carolina game is frantic. The end of the Purdue mm. game is frantic beginning of the second half in Maryland frantic. Cause they were pressing like, I, you know, to me, like, you know, it, it's not so much how many possessions 
you get. It's how effective are you at, you know, getting a good shot, getting a shot, period, right? No turnover, nothing bad like that happened, and then get a quality look. So I, I don't know. I don't have an issue really with uh, with with tempo at all. I think they just at certain points, it seems like those, you know, most key moments, they, uh, they, they just struggle to execute. Thinking about, you know, where they, they go from here, uh, you know, the, you, Johnny used the words winnable games earlier. I mean, you were talking about them being two and two in conference. They easily uh, could have been four and oh coming out of those games. I mean, frankly, both those were losses were winnable games. They could have, uh, but real quick, I mean, in their last nine games, they're five and four with one of them, one of the wins being the Rutgers game that really they should have lost if it was officiated appropriately. So right. you're staring down the barrel of losing, you know, of having a four and five record over the last nine. Yeah. It could have won some, could have lost some kind of thing, but it has not been a dominant showing since uh, that, that, that streak there kicks off with the, with the Duke loss at the end of November. Well, and I'm, gl- and I'm glad you pointed that out. Cause I, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, gosh, you know, as you pointed out earlier, it's, it's not an easy road ahead of them what do they need to do to keep from just being a a total meltdown i I feel like the talent you know is there i've been impressed with the young guys uh the the four freshmen on the floor as it were uh, that quote's been been tossed around a couple times overall i mean i i think the jimmies and joes are are good enough to get the job done what do they need to do to to avoid you know finding themselves out of a hole they can't dig out of yeah, I, th- I think for me, it's a few things. One, they got to get Zed back. Two, they got to make sure that they can, you know, that they can break a press. They can avoid, you know, some of just this frantic stuff at inopportune times. Uh, three, I think they've got to get more production from these transfers that are veterans. I mean, well, well, I'm sure we'll get to, you know, Holtman talking about the freshmen and how what percent of the minutes they played against Maryland and some of that other nonsense. But mm-hmm. at, at, the, at the end of the day, I mean, Tanner Holden, Ice, and Sean McNeil, I mean, those guys are averaging combined 18 points and 10 rebounds. Well, I mean, Bryce has given you that many points by himself. So I, those guys are only shooting a combined 44% from the floor. Thornton and Sensabaugh are both shooting better than that. I think you need a, a, at least two of these guys uh, to step up a little bit more. I give Ice a little bit of runway because obviously he was out and he was out for some reasons that don't sound like they were, you know, that they were pleasant to deal with. Um, but Sean McNeil's been too up and down. I keep hearing and you know three point marksman and all that your career 37 percent. i mean that's not marksman level but right. i think you can be streaky right and, and i think there's there's more that they can get from him even averaging 9.6 i think he's averaging like five boards a game so i'm, I'm not down on these guys uh, i think tanner holden is someone that i just rightly or wrongly i expected that maybe would come in and contribute a little bit more offensively because i felt like even at the big 10 level he'd be get able to get off his shot just because i know it's right state but had a series of moves right he didn't just score one way he didn't just bomb threes he did you know he didn't do one thing he scored from all over the place and it seems like he's just had a little bit of a tough time adjusting 50 percent from the floor but not even five points a game i think uh you know getting a boost from some of these guys to get zed back play with a little bit more confidence and control both coaching and execution when it comes to breaking the press and making sure that you're not just giving away possessions you know that's a bad you know when you turn it over a press usually that leads to points for the other team not every not all turnovers are created equal and ones when you can't break the press normally come back to really bite you so i think it's those and get some more production from these transfers the uh the, the freshmen i'm not worried about at all right like 
Bryce was not good against Maryland. I'm sure we'll talk about that defensively. I mean, he scored 22, but he was a huge liability defensively. But I'm not in the least bit worried about what Bryce and Bruce are giving him. Hopefully, uh, Roddy will be able to give him a little bit more down the stretch. Yeah, I was going to say, like, some of the younger guys, I mean, I was – I was skeptical that they would be able to be integrated into especially the offense as quickly as they, they have been. Um, and maybe that's just because I'm a pessimist and you know, I'm like, Oh, there's no way <laughs> you but, Johnny. No. Yeah. But in general though, I, you know, I am very pleasantly surprised at the way these guys have just kind of slid in. And again, yeah, you want some more production up and down the the roster, but you know, like again, Bryce is just unbelievable uh, coming in and doing what he's been able to do. But are you surprised by this or is this something that maybe we just should come to expect out of a Holtman team? I mean, say what you want about Holtman, but he's always been pretty good at fielding some pretty competent offenses. Oh, yeah, no question. And yeah, and I think as far as these freshmen go, I think um, since the ball has maybe surprised me a little bit, I think in the Worthing Summer League scoring 50 points and this, that and the other, I was a little like, okay, yeah, it looks like he's got every shot in his bag for sure. But you know, against he against, you know, actual teams that are trying to stop you from scoring. Will he be able to be, you know, as elite as when he was, you know, lighting up that summer league and turns out he is, I mean, he's got every, he's got every shot. He is amazing going to his left. And even in the big 10 where you're being scouted a lot more effectively than you are in non-conference games, everybody's got a book on you. Everybody knows what you want to do. You can see his shot chart. Like he wants to get to the left and he wants to pull up from anywhere on that left side, whether it's a three pointer or, you know, at the elbow and his metrics from there are fantastic. Every team they're playing knows that. And he is still doing a magnificent job at getting to his spots. I mean, at a level that you think of like, I mean, NBA scores, they know the four or five or six spots on the floor where they can get, you know, where they want to get to and what type of shot they want to take on those spots. I feel like Bryce is already there on the right side. It's that short corner. I mean, he's lethal from there. He -hmm. knows his spots and he's so effective at getting to them. Even now that we're in big 10 play, and and the guys guarding him absolutely know what he wants to do and they're still struggling to stop it so I think that probably surprises me more than anything is just not that he can score but the maturity with which he's doing it because I feel like it's very workmanlike it's almost scientific to where if you watch him score he's going to score from the same basic spots on the floor it's 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 pretty wild to watch but um and then Bruce I thought that um you know it's a freshman point guard is going to have some problems here and there turning over the ball and you know and that's going to be painful and I think Holtman is you know it's totally fair there that if you're going to have a true freshman with the ball in his hands as much as Thornton is that you know, there's going to be some pain that comes with that sometimes. But I think Thornton, especially in the early going before Bryce was really kind of finding his footing, um, was crucial to this team. And even when likely was out, um, you know, you felt likely being out in the North Carolina game because Bruce really that was the first time where I think the pressure, you know, really, really got to him and it, and it mattered a bunch. Um but he's going to continue to improve. I'm I'm super high on uh, on both of those guys for sure. R- Roddy Gale, it's interesting. I thought that he would be um, probably better than he has been to this point. I don't think he's been you know awful, but he he gets to the rim. He's a great. He's athletic, but he just has a hard time finishing. I think he's about 42 percent shooting right now, and just you know, and 32 percent from deep. He. Uh, you know, just struggling to find a shot. And I think Felix is Felix. If anything, he's probably exceeded my expectations a little bit just with what he's been able to do defensively. But um, 
definitely high on this class. It's just, you know, a shame that a shame for Ohio State fans that, you know, the, the key member of this freshman class probably won't be here next year at the current pace. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Chris Lauterbach, the resident expert on all things hoops related when it comes to Ohio State basketball. Appreciate you being a part of the Dubcast. And, and uh, I, I think we will check back in here after this January slog and get your take on how things turned out relative to, to expectations and where Ohio State goes down the stretch. Chris, thanks for joining us on the Dubcast. All right. Thank you, boys. Go Bucks, uh, yep. Johnny. We we gotta, gotta talk a little bit of uh, of oblong spheroid you know, football. <laughs> big big news earlier this week. Uh, one one key contributor, the C.J. Stroud passing attack uh, popping off. That he is running it back. Kate Stover is gonna gonna be a Buckeye another year. Uh, surprising news to you, or or no. was this one that you expected <laughs> to come back? NFL wants tight ends who can block. And uh, he doesn't know how to do that yet. So that's, I mean, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not ragging on him because he dropped one pass or anything like that. I no, mean, no, 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 no. Him, him not being a great blocker is really what holds him back. I think from being a consistent part of the offense and um, yeah, that that's probably a huge part of it. And I wouldn't, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if the dude maybe dipped his toe in the NFL waters and got some draft eval back and said, no dude, you got to actually stop people from hitting the quarterback. And um you know, and and maybe he came back and realized that's that's got to be a point of emphasis. I don't know, but I I'm not sad that he's back. I'm glad that he's back. I think that's he can definitely work on his game and veteran you know, the pass guy, catcher. That's that's okay. That's exactly right. He the dude can catch some passes. So if he can add that that blocking element to his game and and you know continue to be a pass threat, then you know that's definitely a guy you want on your team. Xavier Johnson coming back too, right? I mean, well, that was I was going to segue into. That's what I'm saying. You me, get some experience. To me, the more back. the more exciting news, I, I guess. I, I mean, certainly, you know me. I've been on Team Farm Kid from the get go, so I, sure. I, I I bought in early. Uh, but but the one maybe I was more excited about was Professor X coming back, and and I think maybe it was maybe it was because my expectations were higher for Stover from the get go because he had those flashes early. Where down the stretch, it was like Xavier Johnson was the guy that you could just count on to do damn near anything. Yeah. That and guy you just, know what? He, he just showed up and you're like, oh crap, did you see that play? And, right. and maybe it was because I didn't have that expectation. I but I was more excited for him announcing that he was running it back one more time. Yeah. And one of the things that we were uh talking about, you know, in the lead up to the Georgia game and afterwards, you know, senior leadership, people who have been around who can get people going, who, you know, can set a standard. I feel like Xavier Johnson can be that dude, right? Like that's a guy who has been around forever who clearly knows what is required, uh, you know, to work your butt off and to find a spot on the roster, right. To, to find your niche and obviously became down the stretch, like a really important contributor. So, you know, and he's a talented dude. So I, I got to feel like a guy like him, I, there's a lot of value that he brings in coming back more than just his abilities on the field. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. That leadership role is it, it's hard to, Hard to understate. Uh, well, yeah, and especially too, you know, you're losing your quarterback, right? In all likelihood, I mean, CJ Stroud, like, you know, you're, you're losing the the head guy, so that's you. You want somebody on offense to kind of to to helm that ship a little bit, and I think a guy like Xavier Johnson is so well respected. I I think that he'll be that dude. Are you surprised that Stroud hasn't officially announced or, or said anything really yet? Or is it just his his MO? He's so low key that it's just sort of uh, we we should all understand this and there's not going to be a big bunch of hoopla about it. I, I think that's probably part of it. I also think he was he's kind of waiting for the, uh, the the college football season to complete, hmm. um, you know, because if part of this is 
marketing yourself. I mean, that's, yeah. that's really the long and short of it. Like you want to come out and you want to say like, all right, well, remember me, I'm awesome. I'm elite. I'm the greatest. You got to draft me high. Well, smart, smart way to do that is to wait until after the college football season is over sure. and you're not going to have somebody to like immediately compare you to like if, you know, if I don't know, if Stetson Bennett comes off and, and pops off tonight and, and throws for 500 yards, well, you don't want to have, you know, announced that you're, uh, you're heading to the draft right before that happens. So maybe, maybe wait a little bit, give it some time to settle and then, you know, let people create some, uh, you know, some highlight reels for you. And then you can, you can go off and announce. So I'm not, I'm not super shocked. And also I agree with you. I think that he is kind of a low key guy. I don't expect to make a huge big deal of it either. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. So the next week should be interesting in that regard in terms of, uh, who announces who doesn't who stays who goes any other interest in the transfer portal any other acquisitions one could hope from the transfer portal as well uh certainly uh if we talked about this last week or not but certainly ohio state had a had a a a good uh bit of good news in that regard um bringing in bringing in a, a highly ranked defender much needed so good good things happening there hopefully more of that to follow all right, we're we're getting down to the short rows. Playoff football is upon us uh, in the National Football League, which which means it's time for us to take a look at our our slips, see how we're doing <laughs> on another edition of the Bet Jack Parlay. Of course, the Bet Jack Parlay, the Dubcast, sponsored by betjack.com ohio sports book for ohio sports fans by ohio sports fans you can find it at betjack.com or do what i did and download the betjack app on your phone or device johnny what do you have for us to pick from this week well real quick before we go i have a question for you how do you feel about how the nfl handled the the playoff situation with you know with the <sighs> Bengals and the bills and all that like how do you feel about how that shook out yeah, I mean, I'm I'm usually guy number one to talk about the ineptitude of Roger Goodell and and how did they screw it up this time? I, I think this is one of those, you know, people say no win situations, and usually time it's it's kind of crap. It, it, this probably was if they tried to do something, uh, you know, to to finish the game or to somehow you know make it equitable on that side, uh, it was probably not there would have been very, people very unhappy about that too. Uh, I, I don't know that I have real strong feelings for it, partly because uh, the Steelers were out regardless. <laughs> <laughs> well, or I thought they had like a shot. I thought they had like an outside they did, shot. They, of... they, they did. Uh, so, so actually it was, there were three things that needed to happen. Um, one Steelers had to beat the Browns, which they did handily. Sorry. Didn't, didn't <laughs> want to necessarily pick that scab. Uh, they needed, uh, they needed the, the what I believe they needed the Jets to win. Did the Jets win? Uh, whichever team in the Jets Dolphin game won, it needed to go the other way. Uh, and they needed Buffalo to beat New England, which they did. Buffalo did did beat New England uh, because you had a three way tie. It was, it was it was eight and eight uh, for Pittsburgh, New England, and I guess were the Jets eight and eight. So the Jets must have won that game, and the, mm. the Dolphins needed to. Uh, so it was out of their hands, basically, aside from winning their game. Two of the three things that the Steelers needed to have happened to get in the playoffs uh, happened. The third one did not. Unfortunately, they needed all three things to happen. So, all right, fair enough. But, you know, but, like... but they, you know, the good news is if if you're a, a fan of the Steel uh, cult, it was that Mike Tomlin can still say, 
he has never had a losing season because they, <laughs> yeah, by, by winning that game against the uh the, the the browns they still were were at 500 so mm-hmm. good 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 there uh, i mean and people have and steelers fans have very definite opinions about mike tomlin i happen to be a fan i i think he's uh, a good dude who's a good coach mm-hmm. um you know there are big challenges these last couple of years were were roster management right and and right, uh, right. You, you know as when you've got when you've got a 60 year old ben roethlisberger uh that you've got to replace you know and you've got a bunch of I mean, they lost a lot of really key contributors because between cap space and age um you know you, you you've got to rebuild from that and i think they it looks like they've got a guy in kenny pickett that that can be what pittsburgh quarterbacks are supposed to be mm-hmm well, tell you what. So let's let's get into this a little bit, and, and we'll talk about the NFL and, and these betting lines. And you know, it's interesting because with the games that they have, right? You've got several games that are within like a field goal, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's what you're looking at. And then you've got other games where it's like a ten and a half, ten point <laughs> spread. And I look, I think part of that is just part and parcel of the NFL in general, right? Because you've yeah. got some of these teams in you know division winning position, and they're like these are not very good teams. Um, and like, for example, I'm not asking you to pick this, but like Seattle and San Francisco, like San Francisco is 10 point favor in that uh, Buffalo, Miami, Buffalo is like 10 and a half points. So yeah. that's those to me. And even I'm actually, I want to include this just because I, I think it's interesting. We can go ahead and start with it. Yeah, um, it. You know, Cincinnati just beat the Ravens and, and looked pretty convincing while doing it. I mean, it, yeah. they played well. Um, Joe Burrow said he didn't have his, his best game and the yeah. aftermath, but I thought he still played fairly well. Yeah. Um, Right now they're about six and a half point favorites. What do you do with that? Yeah, I, I'm taking the Bengals. Um, and and honestly, I believe that much in Joe Burrow. Uh, yeah. He, you know, I love his quote after the game. Somebody, somebody asked him. I'm trying to remember how the question was phrased, but but essentially about a window. You know, what's mm-hmm. the Bengals? Oh window? yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the window? And and his and his response was, "The window's uh, open as long as I'm playing." You know, yeah. like <laughs> how however long my career is. However he worded it, but that response was just brilliant. And it's like that's. You know, he he impresses me as a guy who, yeah, he may be ha- he may have that cock of the walk arrogance, but but dude backs it up. Uh, I don't, you know, you know what though? I don't even think he's that arrogant. I just, no, no, I don't either. It's he's I mean, got but, he's but got that, the he's got the Ulysses. Con- it's, it's he's got the simple faith and success, and I think yeah, that's really yeah, what yeah. he's all about. I'm glad you, um, I'm glad you said that because I was trying to figure out how to describe. I was thinking about it earlier when you when you mentioned uh, the first mention of the Bengals that, you know, he's. He, he, it's not fair to say he's a cocky little bugger because he because he's not. He does have that. It's that weird blend of confidence and humility. Um, yeah. That it's and it's not bragging. It's just a statement of fact. As long as Joe Burrow can play football for the Cincinnati Bengals, they're going to have a shot. And so, uh, with that in that in mind, um, I'm I'm taking the Bengals. Yeah, I agree, and I think they're going to cover. Um, I'm you know. I think in, in college football, you can be a little wary of those back-to-back type games, you know, where it's like, oh, they played them once and now they're playing the championship and who knows what will happen. But I think in a professional league like this, I, I think you're just going to see some of those uh, differences in talent and scheme and all that kind of stuff get exacerbated. So I think the Bengals are going to win that one pretty handily. Uh, and I think they cover. Um, all right. So let's do the Chargers and the Jaguars. That has to be one of the more interesting first of all uh chargers are a, a point favorite uh but i gotta say man i don't think anybody first of all the point spread right and then also the fact that the the chargers are playing the jaguars in a playoff game 
yeah. in in the year of the Lord 2023. Yeah, just like I we wrote it up. The, I don't think anybody would have expected that a year ago. Just like we wrote it up. That's right. <laughs> so how do you how do you think that one plays out? Yeah, I'm 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 going with the Chargers in this one. I okay. I know there's you know there's something to be in the, the the Jaguars are an interesting story for obvious reasons uh, and and you know where they've been and some of the uh, the road they've traveled and all that but I I guess I'm not um I'm, I'm not on board I I think they've seen enough out of the Chargers to think that and the line is narrow enough um that I'm I'm willing to take it I I certainly wouldn't if it was you know a touchdown or more um, sure because I I think it will be an interesting game I think it'll be a close game but I'm I'm, I'm going to go with the Chargers. All right. Well, I'm calling the Jags in an upset just because the universe is random and weird. And, you know, it also would be kind of a, a stick in the eye of Urban Meyer. There, there is be, that. I mean, that is definitely yeah. a thing. Uh, it is, uh, you want a good chuckle out of playoff football. Oh, my God. Uh, unbelievable. You know, it, yeah, it is. it is. I mean, it is an unbelievable story, right? But Yeah, it's pretty but, wild. But it ha- um so last one here, let's, uh, you know what, let's, let's go ahead and go with the giants and the Vikings. Vikings are three point favorites on this and they are the home team. Yeah. And that's enough for me right there. Uh, I think home field advantage matters a lot in playoff football. Um, and Agree. that's, and, and then, and that's a great, and that's a great home crowd, right? So mm-hmm. Viking Vikings fans are, are <laughs> they're, they're true believers. Uh, and so I'm, I'm going with the Vikings. I hate to, I hate that I've gone all chalk this, this week, you know, that bugs me to no end. Sure. But I, I think it's justified. The lines are about right on these, all three of these games. Good, good, good picks. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Uh, interesting thing about the Giants and Vikings highest over under uh, for any of those games. So is it really, oh yeah. yeah. So, so that should be a fun one though. I think that's one to kind of pay attention to and see how that would. Uh, yeah. I mean, of all the, all, all the games we talked about, that's probably the one I'm most likely to actually watch um, in its entirety. I'll watch a part of all of them, but you know how it is. You got stuff going on around the weekend, suburban dad life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That, uh, that, that one is one I would probably be, uh, uh, be most likely to watch cover to cover. So, yeah, I think that'll be one of the more entertaining games of the of uh-huh. the weekend. So, yeah. so there you go. That's the Ben Jack parlay. Good stuff, man. And uh, again, you know, if you're if you are uh, so inclined, download the Bet Jack app. I've I've used it myself. Slick tool for Ohio sports fans uh, and and Ohio's sports book by Ohio sports fans for Ohio sports fans. Go to BetJack.com or download the app. All right, Johnny. The other thing we got to do. You know, uh, a part of every 11 dubcast is uh, that that perennial segment of the show. Ask us anything. I know we got some great ones this week. What do we have in the mailbag? Well, we do want to remind you that you can ask us literally anything um, by sending us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com. And when we say ask us anything, that's what we mean. Ask us anything. This is from Ron who says, was our poor defense just a case of a lack of really great DBs or did calls by Knowles just come at the wrong time here? You know what? So we've talked about this at nauseum, but I do want to say one thing that I thought was interesting that kind of came up in our Slack chat and on the site. Um, and, and maybe we could have asked Chris about it, but Ohio state's propensity to give up really big plays at really bad times. And this, this feast or famine nature of the defense, mm-hmm. Um, and I know, you know, Noel said at the beginning, like they're going to give up some big plays and that's fine. I don't think anybody really minded that, but I think that was more in the context of like a bend, but don't break defense. Sure. And it felt like this defense either didn't bend at all or broke completely in half. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. And that's frustrating because, you know, I remember watching some of the, you know, the Trestle years with Jim Haycock and he would have defenses that 
were very much a bend but don't break kind of thing. I mean, they would give up first down after first down after first down. But on their own side of the field between like the 50-yard line and the 30, that's where opposing offenses went to die. And I was okay with that. I mean, you would get frustrated, but like they just – their whole thing was they kept everything in front of them during the trestle years and they just didn't give up long plays. And so I, I want to see more of that. And and I do think that, you know, not having DBs that are up to snuff to prevent something like that from happening, that is a problem. I mean, you know, trestle and, and urban had great defensive backs and, and cornerbacks while they were uh, coaching. And I don't know that Ryan day has necessarily had that in the past few years, but um, I really do want to see that bend but don't break style kind of come back. And I, I think that's what Knowles is working himself towards. Yeah, I think, I mean, I do believe that personnel makes a huge difference uh, with a defense of this style. And I, I think Jim Knowles will be the first person to say that without without calling out his guys on the roster. I think, you know, they've 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 done an admirable job for the most part. And if you looked at, you know, the first, what, 10 games of the season, uh, we were you know, I, I stopped writing, frankly, when I was writing the the debriefing each week, I stopped writing the segment, you know, did the defense suck 30% less than oh, last right, year? Yeah. Because it was clear they were so much better than last year. You know, the, 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 the numbers told the tale, the eye test, the whole nine yards. Uh, and you had the nail on the head. I mean, when you look at the number of three and outs they had versus, you know, the number of plays over 40 yards or whatever, like, it really was feast or famine. They mm-hmm. either, they either didn't allow anything or, you know, just got their carcasses hauled. Uh, and, and, and to me, that comes down to getting those those right defensive backs, particularly the safeties. Uh, we talked a lot about the cornerback, the, the cornerbacks, but I, I mean, I think we saw in those last two games in particular, the role of the safety, um, you know, that 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 couldn't be understated. So, you know, which is why I made a couple mentions about you know, hoping that some things were coming in off the transfer uh, wire mm-hmm. got, got potentially one piece of that already in the big transfer from Syracuse. Yep. Um, so, you know, some more, some more, because, because think about it this way, this is the thought exercise picture this defense with the quality of, of defensive backs in the BIA era, you know, as mm-hmm. it were, when, when they were putting those guys into the NFL, at such a rapid clip, you know, picture, picture a couple of those guys in this defensive backfield as good as the front seven played. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, hey. and you've got a national championship winning defense. I mean, yeah. and frankly, I mean, really, they didn't have to be that much better. <laughs> like, no, and, and, and and I know you were talking about like 30 percent, but I just mean, like, get a stop in the fourth quarter against Georgia. And, you're well, national championship. yeah, exactly right. And and to that point, I mean, you know, when we had Kyle Jones on uh, to do the postmortem, you know, he and I talked about that because you did a great job of highlighting that, you know, statistically, this defense isn't that much better you know in aggregate than it was a year ago yeah but as as kyle pointed out you know when you really start to break it apart they're light years better than they were a year ago um the 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 problems are are different and eminently more fixable uh and and so to to the original question i i do believe you know given uh, a year here in the transfer portal is recruiting and so on and so forth. I don't think it's a four year process by any stretch of the imagination because guys, they were a play away yeah, from being in the national title game. And right? I do think, like, and, and I do agree. I do think a lot of it is personnel. I mean, cause last year it was, you know, it was definitely scheme. It, it was a lack thereof. Right? Yeah. Right. Like there was no direction. Nobody knew what the hell was going on. Now, clearly they do have a, they have an idea of what they want to do. They just need to find guys who can execute it well. 
Um, and then also, you know, avoid boneheaded mistakes and and falling down on the turf and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, a lot of that stuff comes with experience too. And that's where leadership comes in. And, you know, it, this team was a fairly young team in a lot of ways defensively. And so it's important to, I don't know, I I guess it is important to keep that in mind and understand that it is kind of an, an evolution. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting to see how it'll play out next season. Um, okay. So this next one here, this is, uh, we got a, uh, a mod here, a mod question. Yeah. Uh, it's from Buckeye chief. He's he, our, our, our most loyal listener. Uh, one of my BFFs. Uh, so thanks to Buckeye chief for always, uh, it, the, the nicest human being, I, I swear to God in our, in our orbit, Johnny, because every week after the episode drops, he, he sends me, uh, some feedback on the show. Oh, that's and, awesome. And, Thank uh, you, Buckeye chief. That's yeah, fantastic. Senior is much appreciated. Love you, man. Uh, appreciate yeah. you. Appreciate you being a part of the Dubcast family. All right. What's, what's the, what's the good man have for us? Uh, this go around. All right. So he says with the college football playoffs, switching to a 12 team format, beating uh, that team up North should still be a goal, but losing to them is not going to be a season killer. Do you guys see a cultural shift in college football where rivalry shift from being one of the utmost importance to like, I hate those guys, but similar to how the NFL uh, teams view rivalries. For example, he talks about the New York giants. Uh, they lost rivalry games to Washington, Dallas and San Francisco, but they won the uh, Super Bowl. So as a giants fan, uh, Buckeye Chief doesn't remember the record, but he definitely remembers the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, and he also I, says that if the Buckeyes pulled it off, this season would have been a yeah, but. And I, you know what? I, I agree. I also want to point out that that's how a lot of teams already perceive it. And I think that as Ohio State fans, because the mission game means so much culturally, but also because of where it is on the schedule, yeah, that that has kind of a unique property that um, Ohio State and Michigan fans can appreciate, enjoy, and accept that fans of other rivalries don't get. And I remember one of the, this is so long ago, but I remember one of the first things that I wrote for the site was talking, and I've, I've referenced it, I don't know how many times since, but one of the very first things I wrote for the site was about how um, when the Big Ten was expanding and they were changing, you know, they're adding teams in, they were trying to figure out how the visions were going to work and what scheduling would look like. I know that at one point somebody floated uh, the idea of having Ohio State play Michigan in the middle of the season. And of course, there was like an immediate and visceral reaction against that. And I remember looking at the national scene and, and there were like national writers who were writing about Ohio State's response to that suggestion and going like, well, come on, guys, it's not that bad. It doesn't, you know, a lot of teams play in the middle of the season, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you guys don't get it. Like there's there's a completely different tenor to a rivalry game as the last game than a rivalry game that takes place in October or early November that doesn't really have a definite impact on the future of your season. So anyway, that's a long way to answer this question and say that, yeah, I do think that there's going to be a cultural shift. And I do think that Ohio state fans and the, and the rivalry in general is going to change in a lot of ways and how we perceive it, because it's not even, it's not even that you can still get in the college football playoff, right? Like you could play Michigan theoretically three times in the course of the season, lose the first two and still win a national championship against them in the third. So yeah, it's going to change things a little bit and um, it's going to be a little bit weird. I don't think it's going to necessarily lessen the rivalry, but it will definitely change it in some interesting ways. Yeah. I, I really think uh, the, the, the chief hit the, 
the nail on the head in terms of the analogy that 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 the NFL analogy of God, I hate those guys because um, you know. Let's think about it. you and I both both follow teams in the AFC North. Those teams hate each mm-hmm. other, right? They yeah. hate yeah, oh, hate, God, hate yeah. each other. But every one of them would trade a Super Bowl for getting swept by their rival. Of course, you know, no no question. And you absolutely nailed it. Uh, if the Michigan game wasn't played last week of the season as the de facto buy into the Big Ten championship game, we we'd already have crossed this Rubicon by now. Right. Um, because, you know, as much as when when Jim Tressel was hired, and nobody knew who he was. I was one of the people and I was not the only person that said this. I certainly didn't come up with the line that he could go one and eleven as long as the one was the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we said that, but I don't think anybody really meant it, you know, like no, no. If, if he really lost more than, oh, I don't know, two or three games, people were going to lose their minds. Right. So right. Uh, look at Ryan Day, you know, he's he's lost a handful of games cumulatively and you have had people, uh, you know, since the Michigan loss seriously talking i don't mean serious people talking but i mean people in the fan base seriously talking that oh he's on the hot seat he's on the hot seat he's not on the hot seat right uh nor should he be and 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 that's all well and good but the tenor of that conversation will change when it's not automatically determined you know if you had a season like this where ohio state and michigan look in 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 it would not be a huge stretch of the imagination to have seen Ohio State and Michigan as one and two through great swaths of this season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when you had two teams that good, they could both get into the playoffs. Now, they both lost in the playoffs. Um, you know, maybe that's okay, right? That that you say, hey, ultimately what matters most is the game at the end end of the season, not just the one in the last week of the regular season. Uh, I still think for those of us of a certain age, especially the rivalry rivalry will always maintain that level of, of emotion of importance. Uh, I do wonder what it will mean to people younger than say, you know, 25 or 30 years old, how much, how much will my daughter's generation Mm -hmm. place on the rivalry? If, if, you know, it's not, Hey, you have to win this game or you don't have a shot at anything. Right. Yeah. And that's, well, I mean, I think you can kind of see a little bit of that already, right? Just because of the way the rivalry has been in general. In the past well, and the fact that we're even discussing it, right? You know, yeah, that, yeah, exactly. that in and of itself says we've, the, the door is open. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. And I, I do think it's going to change, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean it'll change for the worse. I think it's just yeah. going to change. Yeah, no, definitely. It's it's changed. Good yeah. or bad, it is, it, it is it, as the kids say these days, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> for real, for real on God. Um, this is from Kevin who says, guys, Mitch Rossi was a beast in the national semifinal, wasn't he? I hope he listens to this podcast and here's at least one fan appreciates what he did. He had a lot of snaps. He did play a lot of snaps and I appreciate that. Um, he's, he kind of became a Jack of all trades in a lot of ways for Ohio state. Um, it's unfortunate that some of the things that he could have been featured in did not go as well as they, they could have. Um, but in general, he's another one of those guys like Xavier Johnson, like a pleasant surprise where he just kind of came out of nowhere. You're like, huh, this dude can contribute. And it, that is one of the things that I genuinely do love about college football is that some of these guys that you haven't heard of or haven't thought of in years will show up and you're like, wow, that's, they're a player, they're a dude and they can help this team. And that's, that's always fun to see like, you know, Cam Babb getting the touchdown and, you know, like I said, Xavier Johnson coming in and, and contributing and, and doing some really cool things. And then now, now coming back, 
Um, I don't know. There's a lot to be excited about when you see a guy like that uh, making some impact on the field. Yeah, same thing. Uh, totally, totally agree. Rossi was one of those guys that uh, when the team needed him, uh, yeah, in a lot of different roles, when the team needed him, he was there. Uh, love that. Love that. I mean, that's the it was one of those, do you want to say unsung heroes, if you will, uh, of a team like that when when there's a guy that you don't expect to come up and, and uh, play meaningful snaps and in the biggest game. So hats off to him. Hopefully he enjoyed it and uh, uh, was able to enjoy it. And uh, has has fond memories of it looking back someday you bet yep uh okay so last one here this is from our good friend alvin who wants to know how would you grade our 22 football season oh that yeah that's tough uh and and and, and the reason i say it's tough is because i, I don't want to be overly harsh uh that you know your your tendency might be to say well the team's self-stated goals, right? Because that's what you have to evaluate in. What are the goals? Mm-hmm. What are the expectations? Team's self-stated goals, win a national title, win a conference title, beat Michigan. They did literally none of those things. Yep. So, you know, does that mean the season was an F? Well, you know, uh, I mean, I, I guess I would. But there again, I'm like, if I give them a C when they had the best offense in the country and you know, did a lot of really great things, one of the most injured teams, it felt like of the top, you know, five or, or six teams out there. Every team deals with injuries, but it felt like this one was especially played with industry, in, injuries. Do you? Do you give them a little harsh? I, I probably will say a C just because I'm uh, trying really hard not to be a super over negative bastard about this. <laughs> um, but but again, understand I'm I'm basing my marks off the the team's self stated goals uh, yeah. and, and what they're it, capable of doing. I yeah, mean, with the talent I, on the absolutely. roster. I mean, yeah. This this isn't a kid that that you know you're happen to help tie his shoes in the twelfth grade. It's you know this this right. is the kid that uh, has the keys to dad's Mercedes and is ready to head off to law school. It's you know you you you've got to expect high things, and the team does expect high things, right? The program that you don't talk about that sort of thing if you don't know you're capable of it. Right. And I, you know what, I would give it a C as well. Um, it's just again, you you lost to Michigan at home. And what should have been like a really pumped up, you know, hype revenge game. You got skunked. You did not get to the Big Ten championship and you backed into the college football championship, college football playoff and could have could have taken down the number one team in the country. Looked really good and then just could not pull that off either. So, you know, missed opportunities. I mean, that's really what I think the story of this year is, is that you you get a number of chances to do something great and you you biffed all of them. So, you know, I don't. I don't think this is a like a completely disappointing season. I'm not, you know, no, I'm not sitting no, here going like, oh, I hate this team, blah, blah. But it is, you know, it is worth pointing out. And people ask CJ Stroud about this, but what's your legacy? I mean, what are you what are you leaving Ohio State with? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that record against Michigan, that record in bowl games, you know, on the big stage, like, yeah, you you were incredible. I mean, statistically amazing. Um, but how do you, you know, how do you pull your team across the finish line is, is what we really care about. And it's not, again, all on him, but I think as a team, as a whole, you look at it and you go, they, they could have done a lot more with what they had. Um, so yeah, I got to give this a C and, you know, injuries aside, all that kind of other stuff, other, other teams, you know, had to deal with that too. Um, Michigan, I mean, God, I mean, Michigan basically lost their best player, a couple yeah. weeks before the end of the season yeah, true story. and had to come up with an offensive game plan, basically on the fly 
and went into their rivals, you know, stadium and beat the crap out of them regardless. And that, and that's the thing, man. And that's the difference between, you know, even if Michigan goes on and, and loses, you know, pretty poorly, <laughs> have pretty poor defensive, you know, showing and against TCU in the playoff, they still won a rival game. They still won a Big Ten championship, and that's the difference. And so I, you know, Ohio State needs to get back to that level of intensity, toughness. Um, you know, give a damn. And you know, we'll see if we'll see what next season looks like. They've got some interesting guys coming back, but I agree with you. That's that's got to be a C for me. So that's Ask Us Anything. Thank you for sending those in, and uh, we'll keep answering them, uh, especially anything about, like, you know, goofy, weird crap, because it is the offseason. Yeah, really fantastic questions. Good stuff, team. And we will we will run it back again next week. So be there, be square, same bad time, same bad channel. Send in your questions. A long offseason ahead of us. We'll have more shooting hoops to talk about, uh, as well as other developments in the recruiting front. And... Uh, if uh, there are any more uh, any more updates to the roster vis-a-vis departures and arrivals and the transport portal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All those things and more coming in the next edition of the 11 Dubcast. Until then, I'm Andy. I'm Johnny. Thanks for joining us.